Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today, we're going to talk about how to love your life. This is a special message for St. Valentine's Day. And even though a number of you will be listening after St. Valentine's Day, we want to send you the blessing of St. Valentine's Day. Now, you might be asking yourself, what do the Irish know about St. Valentine's? The French are the great lovers. Well, more than you know. You know, there's a great book written years ago called How the Irish Saved Civilization, which actually is a fabulous book. But the Irish also are currently in possession of St. Valentine. How about that? In fact, where else would all the great lovers come from? Dublin. And that's uh, my hometown. Actually, St. Valentine, his remains are in a White Friar Street Church in Dublin. The human remains of St. Valentine were gifted to an Irish Carmelite priest, Father Spratt, actually, in the 16th century by Pope Gregory. The Pope heard him speak, and he said he was so impressed by Father Spratt as a speaker He gave him the remains of St. Valentine. And, you know, the Irish have always been great speakers. And if you tune into the podcast on a regular basis, you're obviously very aware of that fact now, aren't you? Anyhow, and we're also very modest and full of humility at the same time. So, happy St. Valentine's Day to you. St. Valentine is buried. uh, He's actually not buried. We have his remains in Dublin there in Whitefriar Church. And St. Valentine is a historical character. He was actually a martyr. He died for his faith. He was known as a man who served, as a man who loved. And he loved his faith, and he loved people. And Claudius II uh, had him executed. But he died for what he loved. And I'm going to say this to you today. I think that's a great way to live. And so in honor of St. Valentine's, I'm not going to talk to you about chocolates or flowers or lingerie. Today we're going to talk about how to love your life, how to love your life with the kind of St. Valentine's Day love. And so that's what we're going to talk about. I have a few quotes, as always. I have a few points for you, as always. I'm actually going to start off today with a Bob Marley quote, and it says, Love the life you live and live the life you love. And it's a great quote. My son Alex is actually the biggest Bob Marley fan, and he's not smoking the ganji, in case you're concerned. He's just the most laid-back dude. He's a very intense basketball player. He's a great kid. But just Mr. Laidback, very easy going. I have all my kids walking beside me and Beverly. He'll be about 30 yards behind, kind of just loping along. And he loves Bob Marley. So I was listening to Bob Marley here at the car the other day, and I thought, what a great way to start the podcast would be with uh, a Bob Marley quote. Love the life you live, and live the life you love. Words to live by. Arthur Rubenstein, famous pianist, said, I have found that if you love life, life will love you back. Doesn't that sound great? Are you up for that today? I know I am. And I will also tell you that in uh, the recent years, I have come to love my life more than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm going to talk to you about that. And so I'm going to get into a few things today. First of all, I'm going to talk about the definition of love and the definition of life. I, I love to go to the dictionary and bring clarity to things. And here's the world we live in today. Honest to God. I looked up in Wikipedia the word life, and you can do this for yourself. 
And right in at the definition, it says, the definition of life is controversial. Now, isn't that just the times we live in? I'm looking to bring clarity to people just to, to have a jumping off point. To love the life you live. We can't even agree on what life is or what love is at all. It's complicated, right? It's controversial. I'm going to say this to you. I think we all know we're living in some very interesting times. We had a presidential election here recently. And we have 60 million people who are walking the gangplank and we have 60 million people who are ready to have a party. It's crazy times. The way social media works and the fake news stuff and just the irrational emotionalism that seems to grip everybody. This group says this and everybody reacts that way. And this group says this and everybody reacts that way. And this is put out on social media and then here's all the reactions to it. And people are worked up and rushing to judgment and stressing out. And it's amazing to me that in a world that is supposed to be so technologically advanced, so educationally informed, that, honest to God, we're becoming more ignorant than ever. And that ignorance is leading to confusion. That we can't even agree on the most basic things of all. And here we are talking about how to love your life. And you can't even get a blooming definition. I just came back from lunch. I had a, a gentleman who worked for me for 17 and a half years named Paul Thibodeau. And he just retired yesterday. So myself and my brother Dermot and another long-term employee, we went out and had lunch uh, together today. And I'm talking to a waitress. I go to this restaurant all the time. I'm talking to this waitress. And uh, she has a family member who's going on this trip to Europe, actually going to Italy for a couple of weeks. And she I've never been to Europe. And I'm just selling her on it and go and expand your world a bit and take a week off or two weeks off if you can and expand your horizons. And she goes, yeah, I'd love to go to Italy, but I've seen all these reports on how, you know, they're expecting Vesuvius to explode. I go, okay, okay, it's always good to be informed. I go, where are you planning to go in Italy? And she goes, Florence. Okay. I go, do you know where Vesuvius is? <laughs> okay. And just so you know, she's a sharp gal. But the world we live in today is, I saw it in a headline on a news feed, and therefore I'm going to make decisions accordingly. You know, we have thousands of people come every month to one of our live events. I was walking through our consultant department here the other day and we have a big department they they're helping people get into membership and they're helping our members and they also help fill up our events and i'm walking through and uh, you know we do these events that have been phenomenally successful change people's lives fantastic results i can tell you this we've had three million people go through our events and i've never had anyone ask for a refund that's a pretty good history i think people really get their bell rung when they go to these things they're fantastic so they get inspired and encouraged, they write goals, they get taught and trained, and they go out better than they came in. So I'm walking through the consultant's building, and as I'm doing it, the event consultants come over to me and go, I've just had two phone calls where somebody goes, yeah, you know, I've heard these things are good, but I, just the way the world is right now, I just don't even know if the business is going to be around in six months. And, you know, I just, oh, wow. So here's somebody who's so caught up in listening to the news, so caught up in what's going on on their phone, so caught up in all the external noise out there, they're going to miss out on an opportunity to maybe change their life for the better. But what's much worse than that is they're rotisserizing in their mind like a barbecued chicken over and over, just rotisserizing in their mind, one after the other after the other, these bad ideas, these bad thoughts. And I will say this, all those small external voices that might or might not be true, that might not be grounded, 
They might not have done a research. It might just be a reaction. They might not have asked anybody a question. This person's letting into their mind to make decisions that are ultimately going to have negative consequences in their life. And I would say to you that that is more common than not here today. How to love your life has nothing to do with listening to those external voices, I can tell you that. I don't care who's been in the White House for the past 15 years. They're not lying awake at night wondering about you. You shouldn't be lying awake at night wondering about them. How to love your life is your own responsibility. You get one life, you get one chance of passing through this life, and I'm going to challenge you today, I'm going to encourage you today, I'm going to hope for you today that you make the most of it. I know this. I'm going to try to be a good example because I feel like I've never loved my life as much as I do now. And I want to share with you a few thoughts on that. So let's talk about love. Love is the object of attachment, devotion, or admiration. It's an unselfish, there's a very uncommon word today, an unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. I love that definition. An unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. Beautiful stuff. Life. Now, Wikipedia says it's controversial, but in uh, Webster it says, a specific phase of earthly existence or the sequence of physical and mental experiences that make up the existence of an individual. Our producer, David Lally, who you hear his voice, loves the tones not only playing the song called The Cliffs of Moher as our introduction, but also introduces me and sits in and records every one of these broadcasts. Um, David just had a baby named Oren, and Oren's a beaut. And you know what? Life is not very complicated for Oren. And so you wonder, as you think about it, and it gives you a little perspective, how does it get so complicated for us and so uncomplicated for that little lad? And uh, I would say to you that baby Oren has a leg up on all of us. Okay? It's simple, clean. He wants to love and be loved. And he probably has more of an idea how to love his life than the rest of us do. So I want to talk to you about that today and to get us all back into that state, maybe like baby Oren, where we're loving our life a little bit more. So this is my St. Valentine's Day love note to all of you guys here today. Okay, I got three points for you, as I've been known to do. And how to love your life is, first of all, getting perspective, being engaged, and enjoying the precious present. So you want perspective, engagement, and the precious present. That's what I'm going to talk about. Wayne Dyer used to say about perspectives, he said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So true. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I really believe that. So perspective is kind of the ability to understand what is important and what isn't. Okay? Kind of a a well-rounded point of view. Perspective keeps us grounded. Perspective takes into effect the big picture. Perspective does not get caught up in emotional reactions when you have perspective you know it's good to have emotions and it's good to react some of the time but when we react all of the time we're not living in a state of perspective we're living in a state of reaction and we will ping pong around bounce around from one thing to the next from one reaction to the next till we're one big ball of anxiety one big ball of stress one big ball of anger one big ball of frustration that's not how to love your life So, on perspective, I'm going to say, you want to get it, you want to maintain it, and you want to protect it. You want to get perspective. How do you do that? Remember where you've come from. Remember where you've been. Remember where you've come from. It happens to us all. You know, I'm here the other day, and I drove to the building. My assistant goes, Brian, your brakes are squeaking. Oh, man. 
you know, I just had a major service on the car. Now I got to go, and I have a Maserati, so, you know, I can't just go and get the brakes changed in an hour. Oh, I got to send back in the car. I got to get a loaner car. It's going to take two days. It's a big pain. I've only been down there. I've got a lot going on, yada, yada, yada. That's right. I am complaining about getting the brakes changed on my Maserati. Why? Why? Because I momentarily forgot the first car I had when I came to America. And it was called the Mustard Machine. And the Mustard Machine was a long bed Toyota pickup truck that was the color of mustard. French mustard. I bought it for 1200 bucks. I went down to Earl Scheib in San Diego. I had it painted fire engine red for 99 bucks. So you can imagine what kind of paint job it was. I couldn't afford to get the interior done. So the interior doors were still mustard, but everything else was fire engine red outside. I remember getting the hubcap covers on that bad boy. And I remember thinking I was just cock of the walk. I remember that. I remember that I sold that car for 1600 bucks, and I bought a Ford F-250 because I was painting houses. I used to call that truck the Antichrist because every time I got paid, the truck would break down. Now, when I wasn't getting paid, it would run perfectly. But I ended up putting three motors in that car, and I was on first-name basis with the scrap dealer and the junkyard dealers in Brownfield in San Diego. And I would be down there about once a week buying parts for that truck. And I did that until she finally died on me and I let her go. And it's easy to forget where you're coming from. And here I am. My Maserati is a brake job and I won't have it for 24 hours. And you know what? Sometimes you need to give yourself a good slap. You know what I'm saying? It's easy just to forget where you come from. It's easy to forget where you've been. So it's very important to constantly remind yourself where you come from that your problems today have probably improved over some of the problems you had in the past in many ways right the second thing is to maintain it one of the great ways to maintain perspective is to keep a journal and i've done this at some point in times better than other point in times in my life i actually for one period of time i journaled every single day for 12 years i had a big cedar chest with all my journals i was going to be my gift to my kids when i passed on we lost our house in a complete house fire in 2007 all the journals went And since then, you know, it was difficult for me to journal consistently. But when I'm journaling, I'm doing well. When I go back and read the journals, it gives me great perspective. Because I see some of the things I was struggling with two years ago or three years ago or four years ago that I don't struggle with today. So writing down your thoughts in a journal is a fantastic way to maintain perspective. And then the third thing is to protect it. Be protective of your perspective. What does that mean? I'll be honest with you. If you find yourself looking at certain news outlets or looking at things on your phone that produce a reaction, here's what I'm going to say. If you're not ready to quite hit X and delete that app or that website or not turn on that channel, then here's what I would do. I would at the very least put it to the back of your phone (laughs) and not have it on your home screen. Maybe another tip would be to not have your phone by your bed. You know, oh, you use it as an alarm clock. Buy an alarm clock. Okay, they're 15, 20 bucks. Maybe take your phone and plug it in in your bathroom or a room that you... So you're not waking up first thing in the morning and the first thing you're doing is scrolling through the phone. Go out to dinner with the family or with friends. Leave the phone in the car. Start getting into the habit. I I do believe, I do believe we're going to see symptoms in years to come that we're not quite aware of. I find myself doing it. It's very easy to get addicted to the phone. We have the constant challenge with the kids on this stuff, with the Instagrams and the Snapchats and all that stuff. And I actually like that stuff. 
I kind of like social media. I've gotten a lot of good stuff off of social media. It's just we get into the habit. They say the average individual now looks at their phone 200 times a day. They say the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds, and the average attention span of someone who uses social media is seven seconds. So I would just say not don't do it. I would just say be mindful of it and don't do it all the time. Just like anything we can become addicted to. So with perspective is such a powerful thing. Perspective will keep you grounded. Perspective will keep you off the emotional roller coaster. Perspective will reduce anxiety and stress. Perspective will help you love your life more. So get it, maintain it, protect it. We gave you a few tips. The next major thing here after perspective is engagement. Uh, Engagement is an emotional involvement or commitment. My mother used to say, everywhere you go, there you are, which was, you know, whoever you are is what you bring wherever you go. But the other side of it is, you know, everywhere you go, be there. You want to be there. And I got great examples of this early on. You know, I have six kids. I had a very, very demanding schedule for 20 years. High demand travel, high demand speaking, high demand building a company, many companies as it turned out to be. Just a lot of demands. So I would be at my kids' game physically, but I would find myself drifting off all the time. I would find myself not having much capacity. Maybe there's other parents there, or I would see a kid who could use a word of encouragement And I just didn't quite have the bandwidth to go engage. And I know that today because today I am doing that stuff. Today, when I go to my kids' games, I'm not thinking about work or anything else. I'm just fully enjoying it. I'm not even thinking about, oh, gosh, oh, man, I hope he gets a college scholarship or I hope they win the championship. You know, I just like, man, if all there was to watch was just tonight, this was great. You know, if this was the end of it, this was great. That type of situation. So... Everywhere you go, you got to be there. Be present with it, you know? So a couple of tips on how to engage. I think we all know this. They say the greatest gift you can give to another human being is the gift of your attention. And that's what engagement is. We used to have this dynamic with our kids when they were real small. You know, and I'm sure you've been in a place where the world revolves around a kid and you have a child-centered home. You've seen it at a grocery store. Mommy, 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 daddy, daddy, daddy. Well, we said earlier on that that dog's not going to haunt in our home. So we created this little dynamic with our kids. So when they wanted to talk to us, and let's say dad's engaged in a conversation with somebody, okay, put your hand on my hand and your hand on my leg. Let me know you're there. And as soon as it's respectful, I'll break away from the conversation. I'll give you my full attention. And one of the things we used to do was we'd hold our face with our two hands, gently just hold our cheeks. And sometimes when they really need to talk to us and we lean down to them, they'd hold our cheeks. And we would lock eyes and give our kids our full attention. I'm going to say this. You don't want to go around holding people's cheeks, especially people you don't know. But when was the last time you just locked eyes with somebody and gave them your full attention? When was the last time you sat down with somebody and you weren't checking your phone? Or just your mind was elsewhere? The greatest gift you can give somebody is your full attention. One of the ways that highly successful people are able to get so much accomplished is that they're extremely connected and engaged where they are. So when I go to lunch today, I'm with those guys and I'm not anywhere else. Now, here's the thing. I gave them so much energy and I gave them so much stuff. They don't need to see me next week or the week after or the week after or the week after. We got so much life lived at that lunch today. And when I go on a business luncheon like that, 
I lock in. I'm asking questions. I'm totally engaged. If it's worthy of my time, it's worthy of my total attention. You're able to get so much done. It is a constant characteristic of the highest achievers. Think about it. People who are billionaires and people who are broke both have seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And time is the greatest asset of all. Well, I'm going to say to you the reason why so many people are not as successful as they're capable of being is they're not engaged. A good friend of mine co-authored a book called The Power of Full Engagement. His name is Tony Schwartz. Tony and I did a CD series together years ago called uh, Lighting the Fire Within. But brilliant book, if you have never read it, I highly recommend it. But it talks about how to be fully engaged and how to connect and ultimately how that translates into better time management by managing your energy that way. So a couple of tips. I just mentioned a book to you. So the first one is to be a lifelong learner. That's one of the ways to be engaged in your life, loving your life. The second is to start your day with gratitude. Now, I've done whole podcasts on gratitude. For me, it's the secret sauce of my success. It absolutely is. Secret ingredients. Gratitude is what fuels me. Gratitude is what drives me. This morning, it was 5 o'clock. Beverly had to go take my little one, Alicia, to a doctor's appointment. And so we started our day at 5 o'clock today with a little prayer of gratitude and recapping the previous day with gratitude. It's just a very powerful thing. The third thing would be to set or revisit your goals. I will say this to you. If you've been to one of my events, you've written goals. I've had over 3 million people go through the physical act of goal setting with me. If you are listening to this podcast, and I'm so, so thankful for this podcast and this audience, 122 countries, many people, I'll never get to see a face-to-face, but I feel like we can develop a relationship through this media opportunity. I would say this. If you have goals in mind, they're not nearly as powerful as written goals. So the desires of your heart, take the time to write them down. And I'll do some podcasts here in the future on goal setting and the ways to do goal setting and how to make goal setting come alive. But just start with a list of things you'd love to achieve. That is a way to be very engaged in your life. It brings great juice to your life. And even if you've set this same goal before, uh, you keep setting the goals keep setting the goals. I think success has a lot to do with just keep showing up and keep persevering. And when you do that, you end up winning. So be a lifelong learner with the books and mentors, coaching if you do that. Start your day with gratitude and then revisit or write out your goals. Do that. I think you'll be very, very engaged in your life and you'll be loving your life. And the third ingredient and probably the most important of all is what's called the precious present. The precious present. That's, that's the period of time occurring right now. I had a chance to meet Spencer Johnson many years ago. In fact, he wrote the book, Who Moved My Cheese? That book, we were a big proponent of that book in the very early days of its uh, inception. Helped sell thousands and thousands of that copy, even before it was published, of uh, that book. But he wrote a fantastic book called The Precious Present. And I truly believe that's where we're missing You know, you can't change the past and you can't control the future. All we have is the present. You can't change the past. Nothing you can do. It's gone. You can't control the future. And that's where most people's fears come out of because they want to control the future. They want to have that sense of control. When people feel out of control, they get out of control. All we have is that period of time occurring right now call the precious present i'll give you a great quote here today from 
the profound and insightful cookie monster from Sesame Street. And he says, today, me will live in the moment, unless it's unpleasant, in which case, me will eat a cookie. Now, that might be the answer for many of you, okay? If you're all stressed out and you're all social media out and you're, hey, life is short, have a bleeding cookie. I know you set goals to lose weight. I didn't tell you to eat a box of cookies. (laughs) But um, you know what? It's good stuff. The Apostle Paul, in one of his writings, said, you know, once in a while, have a glass of wine, okay? It's good for you. It's good to relax. It's good to enjoy life. It's good to take it in. So here's a few thoughts on the precious present. I'm going to talk about creating space, and I'm going to talk about savoring it. And I really want to give you this, because I've been a very driven guy for a long time. I was always kind of driven, and then I came to America, got in a motorcycle accident, got into huge amounts of debt, got behind the eight ball, and I became a working stiff. And then I became a successful working stiff, and then I got into the seminar and coaching business, and I kind of pioneered an industry, and now I was traveling and a working stiff. And then I had a family, and I was a working stiff with six kids, and yada, yada, yada. So I know a lot about achievement and grinding and getting it done, and uh, I don't regret any of that. I'm still a working guy. But I love my life today in a way I never did. You know, some people say that you either work to live or live to work. I will honestly say I have had seasons in my life where I have lived to work. But now I'm in a season of my life where I work to live. I've always had the good life. I've always lived a good life. Life is just better now. It's better because of these three things. I'm keeping better perspective. I am absolutely more engaged than I've ever been. And this last piece here is I I really am focusing on the precious present. Now, the concepts are always there for me. None of this is new information. It's just how I've internalized it. Like when I was leaving home to move to America, my dad, my dad was actually born in America. He left America when they were eight years of age and they went back to Ireland. His older brother, Jimmy, my uncle Jimmy, who sponsored me to get my green card 30-some years ago, Jimmy came back to New York. And Jimmy was a hard-working guy, but Jimmy worked three jobs, did the best he could, but Jimmy literally his whole life lived to work. And my dad, uh, coming from a, a culture that was a bit more laid back than that, said, Brian, you know, in America, you can have a great lifestyle. But don't forget, in Ireland, we have this great quality of life. And you're leaving that behind. He wasn't telling me that for me to stay in Ireland. He was telling me that to kind of let me know kind of a warning and what was a trap to fall into and very easy trap to fall into. How many bumper stickers have you ever seen that say, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go? You know, we know the debt levels. We know how much Americans owe. We know... The drive is there. We know how hardworking people are. But it's very easy to get caught in that trap. So what I developed for myself was a concept, which was I was going to combine lifestyle with quality of life, and I coined it for myself a quality of lifestyle. We had a lot of money troubles growing up. You know, everyone I knew had money troubles. Ireland was a third world economic power at the time. It certainly do much better today. But we didn't have any money. I didn't know anybody who had money. There was always things you were doing without And we were scraping to get by. I didn't want to have that, and I didn't want to have that for my kids and my family. And I wanted to have some of the nicer things in life. But I mostly wanted to have a little more sense of economic uh, stability. But I also then never forgot my roots in that I I wanted to have this quality of life. And, And quality of lifestyle became the phrase. Now, 
I had the concept, I worked towards it, and it took me a long time to truly start to embrace it. But over the years, bit by bit, like peeling an onion, I feel like I've gotten to a place today where I love what I do, I love how I do it, and I love what it does for me and what it does for others. A great example of that is this podcast. I don't get paid to be with you here today. We don't have sponsors. We're not pitching you stuff on the podcast. We built this state-of-the-art podcast studio. I've got a staff of people in here producing this show because I love doing this, and it seems like a lot of people really enjoy hearing this content. Uh, it's helping me grow. It's helping other people grow. I do it because I love it, and that's the spot I've always wanted to work to to get there. And now it takes a while. There's so many people today. There was a great Simon Sinek interview here recently about millennials, and it was some great insight. But he was sharing how many young folks are looking for this sense of purpose and impact with what they do. But he also said they're getting very disillusioned very quick at where they work. Now, here's the thing. You have to work towards something. I mean, I, I'm 30 years, you know, working in the workforce pretty hard. I, 21 years building this particular company as a worldwide business. It's only in the last couple of years that I've really been able to get to this type of a place where I, I could do work like this, where I just want to do this because this is meaningful, this is value, this is going to really help some folks. And again, I know I'm speaking a lot about myself here today, but I'm, I'm just kind of here. I go first and be as authentic and transparent as I can with all of you folks. When people at the top of the ladder tell you how they get there, it's always good to listen to them. That's what I've done my whole life. And so I would say focus on uh, your quality of lifestyle. You know, so that balance between making money, achieving, ambition, going as far as you can, and at the same time, keeping the main thing, the main thing. The second piece to that is creating space. So I'm going to give you a phrase here today. I want to talk about tolerance. Now, tolerance is a word that has many meanings to many different people. But I want to say build tolerance into your world. And here's what tolerance looks like. When a builder is building a house and they frame it, so in California here where I live, they pour a concrete slab and then they'll put a wooden frame of the house up. There's a certain tolerance, which means a margin for error that's built into the framing. It doesn't have to be exact. It needs to be good. It doesn't have to be exact. Then you put the drywall on, then you mud that, and then you'll put you know, maybe some finished carpentry. Now, the finished carpentry has to be much more exact. But a certain level of tolerance, you could be off a half inch here, you could be off an inch there, and you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. What I found is I didn't have any tolerance built into my schedule, built into my life, and there wasn't any room for error. And so when there was errors came up as life hits you, as challenges happen, as difficulties come up, it was like a, a domino effect where this would clank and that would clank and that would clank and that would clank. A lot of times, someone has to get this how to love your life. Many people I know, and I have many relationships who've gone through a, just a tremendous or a horrific disease, battle with cancer, a heart attack, something really serious, a stroke. And they go through this, and all of a sudden, what does it give them? Perspective. Where do they get engaged? Where do they live in the precious present? And I, I know many of you listen to this already have experiences with this, or you've gone through the loss of a loved one, or some traumatic event that's already brought this to life and I, I would say this I want to live in this place so I don't have to have the traumatic things happen for me to be in a space where I'm loving my life on a daily basis so I want to have this tolerance in my schedule so what does that mean I used to be overly optimistic with my schedule 
I used to pack a five pound bag of sand with about 10 pounds of sand in my day. I was overly optimistic. I was constantly on the run and I was constantly trying to get more done than could be done. There was no tolerance. And it led me at one stage to become a very impatient guy. And the reason being is I had no tolerance for myself, no room for error. And then I become intolerant with other people. So you build tolerance into your schedule. So I have gaps in my schedule. I have days in my schedule where nothing is happening and my assistant protects it with her life. Now, what's interesting is something always seems to happen with those days. And in the transition for me, I would build those days into my schedule and I'd still fill them up with work. I just wouldn't be wall-to-wall appointments. It would be catch-up work. And now what's happening is I'm writing myself into the script. And I might go play a bit of golf on a Friday morning and I might do a bit of this here. During the course of my day in my schedule, I now have tolerance where my assistant Aaron will come in and every 90 minutes into a meeting, she'll come and grab me for 10 or 15 minutes and I just sit in my office and I just chill and I take a break. Uh, my brother Dermot's wired like me. We'd be in a meeting for 90 minutes. Aaron would come get me. I'd go down to my office. He'd come join me and sit down and he'd start right back up at the meeting. <laughs> so just so you know, I didn't do it perfectly and you won't do it either. But if you put a bit of tolerance into your schedule, here's what will happen. You'll find that you have more margin for your life. You will enjoy the precious present more and you will start to become a more tolerant person. First for yourself and then for others. Why? Because you have more capacity. You have to have space for capacity. So now my goal is I have a five pound bag of sand and my intentional mindset is I want to put three pounds of sand into the five pound bag. Now I'm still an achiever. I'm still an ambitious guy. I'm still developing. I'm still a young man. I've got years ahead of me. So what I'm going to do is this. The three pounds of sand I'm going to put in a five pound bag, man, they all better be good. When I have a meeting, folks, be prepared. Have your ducks in a row. Come to the meeting ready. Come to the meeting prepared. We're really going to get something done when we meet. If I'm going to go do an event, man, let's have the convention center packed to the rafters. Let's make it worth our while. I'm going to do a podcast. We do two to three meetings before every podcast. I don't come into the garage of my house and just start spouting off the first thing on my head. We value your time. You're honoring us with your attention in your car or on a run or wherever you are. I want to honor you. And I'm prepared. I have notes in front of me. I have these quotes we've researched, these definitions. It's forced me to think through the process and what are aspects of this am I actually doing and using to benefit my own life. So that happens because space has been created. And because space has been created, I'm enjoying the precious present more than ever before. I don't know when I've ever enjoyed anything as much as doing these podcasts. Why? Because I'm in a space where I can actually flourish. And I'm hoping it's beneficial for you. The last piece here is to savor. It's important to savor the precious present. You got to take it in. You got to smell the roses. You know, every last drop. Drink life to every last drop. I just think this is what it's all about. I start off the day by saying, you know, Wikipedia says life definition is complicated. It's controversial. Oh, for the love of Mary. It's not that complicated. It's not controversial. Life is as simple as we want to make it. We are surrounded in a sea of social media drama queens. We are in a sea of media that needs to drive drama 
to get attention in a world where these media outlets aren't sure where their dollars are coming from, aren't sure where their clicks are coming from, aren't sure where their eyeballs are coming from. It's important to fan every flame to make everything as dramatic as possible. We have a nice phrase in our house that says, save the drama for your mama, okay? Enjoy the precious present. Biolatanji said this, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today, today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Now, he's the brilliant man who gave that quote. Now, I want to be honest here. I didn't read that quote. I first heard that quote by watching the movie Kung Fu Panda with my kids. So just, I have to be, I sound like the great B. Olatanji here, but I got it from Kung Fu Panda. But think about it. Yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today, today is a gift. It's a gift. That's why we call it the present. I don't care what's going on in your life, what's going on in your financial life, what's happening in your relationships or wherever else. You've been given a gift and it's called today. This message is a St. Valentine's Day gift to all of you, to remind you of the gift of life. And life can be complicated if you want it to be, and life can be simple and wonderful if you want it to be. Keep your perspective. Be fully engaged and soak it up. Drink it in. The precious present. That's the good stuff. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you enjoy this show, I'd love you to share with a friend. Maybe you give a Valentine's Day gift to a friend today and say, hey, there's this Irish lad who has a message here, and the Irish know a lot about St. Valentine, and I didn't even know that, but I learned something on the podcast today. You know what our goal is, to positively influence as many folks as we can. So share the show with others. I thank you all, by the way, for sharing the show. As we come up to our one-year anniversary here, we're fast approaching a million downloads. Who knew it? A lad from Dublin in a studio just blazing away here. And uh, you guys are sharing the good news with more people. And we want to reach millions and millions and millions of people with a message of encouragement, a message of hope, with some how-tos to live the good life, and uh, the mindset and the motivation and the methodologies to get it done. So as I leave you here today, now that you know that Dublin is the lover's capital of the world, I leave you with the great phrase that I always finish with. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and I hope we do someday, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. 